0: Welcome to Divorce Dialogues, I'm Catherine Miller, I'm the founder at the Miller Law Group and director at the Center for Understanding and Conflict, and I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And my guest today is India Kern. India is a certified divorce coach who guides people through the transition from married to happily divorced. She specializes in working with people who feel stuck in their divorce pain. India helps them gain confidence, build a sense of security, and be happy again. Based on her own experience, India authored the book, Surviving the Unwanted Divorce. Welcome, India. Kern. it's a pleasure to have you on the show.
1: Thank you, Catherine. I appreciate it.
0: So tell us about your experience that led you to write the book and create this career from your own experience. Yes, I'd love to. So back in 2011,
1: I went through a very painful divorce, and it just rocked me to the core. I didn't really know my next step forward i fumbled my way through some years, and then I started journaling. I actually started journaling as soon as it happened. The journals eventually became my book called Surviving the Unwanted Divorce, and then that launched me into life coaching. And so I um, started studying life coaching, but what I noticed is that every client I had fit the same profile, more or less. And it was usually a woman who was stuck in her pain and her divorce story. And so I decided to pivot and do just strictly divorce coaching. So then I became certified as a divorce coach. And like you, I've made a mission to change the way we do divorce because there is an easier way. So that's how I got here as a certified divorce coach. And my I always say, when it comes to divorce, you do have a choice to either get bitter or get better, and I help you get better.
0: That's right, And so what do you mean when you say happily divorced? Because I think that to some people that could, especially people mm-hmm. I think that you work with, happily divorced seems like an oxymoron. Totally. Yes. And it does.
1: And I definitely was not happily divorced in the beginning, but I learned there are tricks and tools and things that we can do where what seems to be the worst thing in your life the most traumatic experience can actually be an opportunity to grow. Now, when I first was facing divorce with someone had told me, hey, this is going to be a gift. You're going to learn from this and you're going to have purpose. I would have, you know, scoffed at it, right? Because that is not something that I thought it would be. But in the end, after I did the work, I realized that this was a true blessing. Now, it came wrapped in a very ugly package, you know, a devastating divorce. But what it became Uh, eventually was my purpose so in the beginning I wasn't happily divorced but I learned how to invest in myself and really learn who I was so then I could have the strength to continue with you know to heal from the pain and to be a better mom and then to be a professional so over time I became happily divorced I would love to help other people reach that point
0: so interesting how you put that India that like you say i I eventually learned who I was. And mm-hmm. I think that that is a really big key. And I'm curious of what you think about that because I think that what happens particularly for women and not all women, but for a mm-hmm. large portion of women who are married and particularly in a, in a traditional role, their definition of themselves comes from external factors, their children, their right. husband, their neighborhood, their mm-hmm. church, you know, whatever it is and not from themselves. Right. And those, I think people who are in that situation, they are really much more likely to be rocked to the core by divorce. What do you think about that?
1: I absolutely agree. In fact, I was just talking to a client. What I see over and over again is, especially like you said, in a typical traditional role, the female gets to the point of complete depletion. So when she finds herself in divorce, she's like, what am I supposed to do now? I've been a mom. I'll tell you my story. So in 2011, I had done exactly that. I had made my husband's life more important than mine. I had not kept a foot in my profession. I'd become a mom, which is a great thing to do, but I was strictly a mom and I defined myself through other people. My children, my husband, I didn't even know my wants in life. So what I had to do and the process of healing and grieving from the divorce is really understand who I was. And I like to call it welcoming yourself back home because it's really investing in what makes you joyful. And I specifically say joyful rather than happy because happiness is based on happening. But you can find joy even in the midst of hardship. And that's what I learned over those years of really studying myself. I had to go within to understand what I wanted, what I liked, where I was depleted. And there were three key areas I really focused on. That was the physical health. And that doesn't just mean physical exercise. That means nourishment. Was I you know I was on the divorce diet. Some people go on the fast-trained weight gain. I was on the divorce diet and immediately lost like fifteen pounds, so I had to figure out how to nourish myself again. My sleep was terrible. I had to understand that you got to feed your mind good things before you go to bed, turn off the television, read, and I looked at all these different aspects, all these key areas: physical, was I overindulging and wine or busyness? Was I betting the farm on another relationship? You know, that kind of thing. And then I took it to the emotional department. How was I filling up? How did other people make it through this transition of divorce successfully? I had to look at, I read, I read so much. It was actually a very good learning experience for me to look at other people that were successful in their divorce. And again, that sounds like an oxymoron, but I did draw from other people's stories I journaled, and that really helped me see progress. And then the spiritual component was, how was I being still? Instead of being busy, how was I being still and being thankful in that very moment, knowing right now, all is well? So those three key areas are really what I focused on, and I actually coached many clients, and we begin with saying, okay, what are you doing? To fill back up, and we covered those three key areas. So that's a very long winded way to say that's how I successfully or how I happily
0: divorced. Well, it sounds like that's how you found the path towards mm-hmm. yourself, right? And I think that mm-hmm. a lot of people who are facing divorce, especially in the early stages or, you know, fearing divorce, right? in a bad marriage. Mm-hmm. And wondering what's gonna happen, how can they make it, or what if their spouse decides to end it right, and because I've had a lot of mm-hmm. clients come in and say, "You know, I knew it wasn't good, but I didn't think it was that bad when a spouse right. has chosen to end it, you know, and I've had other guests on the on the show, and they're like, "Yeah well, if this other spouse thought it was that bad, it was that bad, and you mm-hmm. were just you know not like living in in a fantasy land that it was gonna get better, or you know that the kids or that this or the that would." would somehow or other make it better and, and, and it obviously wasn't. But for you, mm-hmm. you found some things to do. And, and one of the right. things was journaling. And it's so funny because mm-hmm. we, one of the things that we give to every new client is a journal. Because mm-hmm. I agree that I think that maybe you're not going to be a journaler for your whole life, mm-hmm. but it's so helpful right. in those moments. And especially in your friends, are like, please, 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 not again. <laughs> I can't take right. it again, exactly. right? Right. That you can write uh-huh. it down the same thing over and over, whatever it is, your, you know, your innermost thoughts. And that's really helpful. And the other thing you did was give yourself some real things to do to nurture yourself in those mm-hmm. three areas and to develop new habits and new ways of doing things. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, for someone who's listening to the show and thinking, oh, my God, is that me? I'm so disoriented and I don't know. How can they start, like, identifying inside themselves what's actually going on for them? Mm -hmm.
1: Well, you know, going back to that journaling piece, I think it's so incredibly important to do that because not only does it track your progress, it also really gives you clarity on what you're doing because, you know, we have all this muck and mire in our brains. There's so many different thoughts. But when we put it to paper, we can see bad patterns. We can see negative patterns that keep on happening. So when we don't have that journal to dump all our muck and mire on, it just stays in our brain. And so then we don't have the brain power to do our other roles in life. Mom professional, whatever that may be, right? So I think the journaling really is, it helps us gather our thoughts. And the thing about our thoughts, and I'm a big, big believer of this, change begins with our thoughts. So you really start, because thoughts become words, words become actions, actions become habits, habits then become your reality. So when you can see your thoughts, And you see a pattern that keeps happening over and over again, wherever you are. You might be in the marriage and know once you start looking at your journal, you're like, wait a second, am I sick and tired of being sick and tired yet? Or am I going to continue this pattern? Or maybe you're five years post-divorce and you start seeing, oh, wow, I did that six months ago and I can't believe I did that. Now I would never do that. So it tracks progress. It clarifies your thoughts. It really allows you to see, who you are so that's a great way to begin i think you know going back to what you said before that question you talked about the uncertainty and the uncertainty is fear right and gosh look at us right now we have so much uncertainty with the pandemic but here's the real truth to this there's never a certain moment except the one you're in uncertainty has always existed except you know when we but this, the COVID-19 or a divorce just magnifies uncertainty. Uncertainty has always existed. And so that fear plays such a big part in the decisions that we
0: make. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. I'm Catherine Miller, and you're listening to Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WBOX 1460 AM every other Wednesday from 5 to 530, and we're also available as a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'm talking today with India Kern about a transition from married to happily divorced and and ways to do that, especially when it seems really difficult and really, really scary. So what can people do, India Kern, to conquer fear?
1: Well, you know... I would like to touch base on what fear does first, if you don't mind, just so people can understand what they're dealing with.
0: Sounds like Um, like the roadmap. How does this happen?
1: Right. So let me tell you what fear does to the body, mind, and soul, because it really, really wreaks havoc. So on the physical body, you produce high levels of a chemical called cortisol. And what cortisol does is it can cause depression, high blood pressure, irritability cognitive difficulties, that would be making a decision. Autoimmune disorders. I used to get hives all over my body. I couldn't even leave the house because I looked like I'd had some botched plastic surgery. So, you know, it's amazing what fear, how it can manifest in the body. So if you are experiencing physical reactions, you really need to listen to your body. Like those are like the red neon sign saying, Listen to me, something's not right, right? So that's what it does to the physical body. I mean, worry can kill you, so we got to get a handle on it, right? So the thing that it does to the mind is very interesting. As a coach, we call it the reptilian mind is what it creates, and that's fight, flight, or freeze. And so what happens is you have this little piece in your brain called the amygdala, and it's where you process, am I safe or not? And when you have high anxiety, like your divorce has just hit, you're in that entry phase and you're like, you don't know anything, you're full of uncertainty and doubt, this is when you go into survival mode and that amygdala is on fire. So then you're prepared to fight physically and psychologically and everyone is a threat. So what this does, it really keeps you in a self-limiting mindset. And doubt and judgment creep in, which keeps low self-esteem. But the most critical piece of this is when you are in this reptilian brain, you lose the power of decision. So if you're facing divorce, if I had to guess, you do not want to lose the power of decision, right?
0: Definitely not.
1: Right. So that's what it does to the mind. Now let's talk about the soul. So fear, I, I like to say it's like a happiness riptide. So fear breeds negativity. And it's like a loop. More negativity, right? And like a riptide, it sucks all the joy right out of you because a riptide takes you away out to sea, right? So you walk around in a state of anxiety and so fear takes over. So that's where I talk about the thoughts that become the reality. So this is what fear does to body, mind, and soul. So how do we cope with it, right? I mean, that's really where we want to go to. So now that you know what it does to you, how are you going to conquer it? So the best way I can help a listener understand this is give the visual of a ballerina on point. And she is, let's just say she's on her right toes and she has her left leg up in the air and she has her two arms out. And if you look at her, it looks like all her weight is on those toes of the right foot. But if you were right up next to her, you'd see that all the muscles are quivering, her arms are out, and they are doing what we call counterbalancing. So all the weight is distributed evenly so that she can find that balance, right? So that notion of counterbalancing is what I like to tell my clients they have to do in those three key areas in the physical, in the emotional well-being, and in their spiritual walk. So that's how I teach to conquer it. And, again, you have to really take some self-inventory of the physical, like how am I sleeping? How is my nourishment? Am I betting on the farm on another relationship? Am I getting any exercise? Because that really does help. And then if you go to the emotional, how am I processing this? It's when you look back to understand how you arrived here, facing divorce or stuck in your pain. And so you have to do things like coaching or therapy or reading or journaling to help you move through the healing process. You know, healing is a process, and there's a grief. There's grief that goes on with it. And there's no time limit. People often ask, how long is this going to last? How long will the grief be here? And there's no real answer. It's a process, and you have to feel it, you have to grieve it, sink deep, and then you can move on. So that you know, the emotional piece. Now, the spiritual, again, like I said earlier, it's being still. It's knowing that everything's okay. So that's how I teach my clients to conquer it, but really it's a reflection of looking within, filling back up, counterbalancing in those three key areas. Showed that you can have the strength and stamina to go on and conquer the day. Does that make sense?
0: It does. It sounds like it's uh, take one step at a time and give yourself the time you need and the nurturing that you need in all these areas in order to Mm -hmm. take the steps going forward. And don't expect tomorrow morning you're going to wake up and not feel afraid.
1: Exactly. And, you know, talking about the grief piece, There's five, you know, I'm sure many of your listeners have heard about five stages of grief. And the thing about grief is you can experience all five within a six-hour period. You can ping-pong from depression to bargaining to acceptance, anger, back to bargaining. So there's, again, no linear path through grief. I like to call it walking the grief circle. And that's when I say just think in and just know that this is, part of the healing process because if you don't grieve it will come back up and there's many things that we do as humans to avoid that grief and I call them roadblocks and there's so many roadblocks out there that people can do to just uh, divert their healing process and what happens is if you sidetrack or go around try to take that roundabout instead of going straight through the grief it's just going to come back up just a later period. So grief is necessary in order to heal and move beyond the pain and and be happily divorced.
0: I think that's really great advice. I want to remind people that they're just tuning in that this is Divorce Dialogues and I'm Catherine Miller and I'm talking today with India Kern about getting from married to happily divorced and some of the ways in which she has to help you get through it in a better way and in a more complete way. And India, if people are interested in learning more about you or your book, Surviving the Unwanted Divorce, how can they do that?
1: Yeah, so my book is on Amazon. so They can find me there or they can go to my website. That is India, like the country, I-N-D-I-A, Kern, K-E-R-N, Dot com. And there I have a ton of free content. I have a blog. I have a free podcast. And I have many things that they can, great resources that they can download, like the three roadblocks to avoid in divorce, which I was just talking about. So, yeah, indiacurn.com or they can email me at connect at indiacurn.com.
0: So I wanted to ask you, and I certainly want to ask you about some coping skills and, and all, and how people can deal with some of these things, but when you talk about it, it will come back up, and, you know, the fear and the grief, mm-hmm. and it, it seems like, mm-hmm. in my experience and observation, that it comes back up in acting out in ways that maybe People sh- shouldn't do, so it's not just necessarily, I think, but maybe I'm wrong about this that people just feel sad or feel afraid or, mm-hmm. or feel mm-hmm. depressed, but they might have a substance abuse problem or uh, mm-hmm. sort of inappropriate dating or repartnering you know so when you Absolutely. talk about it coming back up, you know how does that show up if people don't deal with it effectively?
1: Well, I love to tell people I made every mistake in the book So reading my book. So you can avoid them because I did everything wrong. <laughs> but as a result, it helped me understand what people are going through. So I'm I'm glad I did it, but I did make every mistake in the book. And I'll speak on that. You know, when I first was facing divorce, I was blindsided, first of all. So I, of course, because I felt so flattened, I wanted to have someone in my life. I mean, my ex did, so why shouldn't I, right? So what I did is I ended up dating way too soon. And what happened is I just, I attracted the reflection of myself, which was a broken self. And of course, it didn't work out. But what I was doing, I I was betting the farm on someone else to make me happy. And obviously, that does not work. We only have that control, but we cannot look to someone else to bring joy in our lives. So when I did this, yeah, it was, you know, I had fun for the, for the first three months and then it was a lot of bad choices, overindulging. I, you know, I drank wine. I just did all the things that keep you stuck. And instead of moving forward, you're hovering at a standstill. So when I realized, you know what? this relationship is really not healthy it's very dysfunctional and I really was doing it as a coping mechanism to get through the pain then I had to start back over it's like I had I left off where that pain was when I started the relationship I kind of put the pain on the shelf for just about six months and then I started realizing you know what this isn't working I'm gonna have to deal with that pain so then I broke up with the very nice man but just not a good, strong, healthy relationship, and I started doing the work. And, you know, a lot of times what we resist persists, right? And I resisted doing the work, but then I eventually had to do the work in order to heal. So that's my story, and I have many more in my book about all the things that I did wrong. So I always say, hey, you know, read my book. I made every mistake in the book so you don't have to. Just read my, you know, read what I did so you can avoid it yourself.
0: So, that's really helpful I think because I think one of the things that I often get uh clients who come in here and and they say to me just kind of sort of even in a sort of embarrassed way, "Well, so you're divorced and and you're okay, right?" <laughs> like yeah, that yeah. that there's and the answer is yes you know and i'm remarried and right. and my second marriage is we're going we're closing 21 years and so uh, you know i don't feel myself a a revolving door of of husbands but right. i think that it's that sort of the yearning to know that well you know what if someone else did it maybe there's a chance that i can do it too and and so mm-hmm. india Karn, what do you think is the the first thing or maybe the most important thing that people can do to start on the path towards happily divorced
1: Well, I think they have to shift their perspective,
0: and I know that
1: that requires a lot. But this hardship that came in your life, this storm, there's always a beginning, a middle, and an end. It will not last forever. And there is great opportunity. I always say, if you think about a valley, right, the valley of divorce and all the muck and mire, think about what's in a valley. You know, the rich soil is made of manure. And as craft as that sounds, when you're in it, you are just like, why is this happening to me? You're in the manure. But guess what that creates? It creates this amazing bloom. So you could even call it bloom where you're planted because you are there for a reason. This heartache is not there just for vanity. There is a reason you're here and this can be an opportunity for you to grow. You never know. You might you might help someone later in life but yeah speaking on your point about when they ask is everything gonna be okay it is but it is you do have to be proactive in your healing you have to make a commitment to heal and as as long as you do that you will heal and I love to give people hope because when I was facing my divorce I thought it was the end but now I'm happily married second marriage, there's no way I would go back to the first ever if you paid me millions of dollars. I'm very happy. My second marriage, there is hope and you can do it.
0: I think that's great advice. India Kern, thank you so much for being our guest on Divorce Dialogues. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you so much.